Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. On this podcast today, we are actually going to be getting into a little bit of a conspiracy theory or just crazy, strange coincidences that I'm kind of seeing. You know, I don't know if there's any correlation between them or just something that has been kind of completely made up in my mind. But anyways, we'll get into it today. Um, The gist of it is trying to understand why a lot of cryptocurrency influencers slash innovators um, have been murdered. You know, when we look at this information, it's really, really interesting how so many people can be murdered within a short time under very, very strange um, situations. But, you know, if we look at cryptocurrency as a whole, it is a strange situation. And what is it doing to the world economy? You know, and, and within it, we'll get into that thought process and potentially tie into maybe some federal conspiracy. I haven't seen this anywhere. This is just my thought process. So let's get into it. So as we are learning about the tragic, tragic death of Bob Lee, the founder of cash app and the, um, he was starting to dabble within cryptocurrency. And you think about, um, Neiman Mamoy, it's really hard for me to pronounce his name, but he was, he's actually being accused of the stabbing death of, Bob Lee, um, very strange case that happened within, um, San Francisco late at night, gets stabbed in the chest, walking through the street. And then eventually he unfortunately passes away. Um, but we look at a lot of these situations. There's also, there's also a cryptocurrency guru who died a couple years back or maybe a couple months back. Um, and his name was Tian and he was Tian Tian and he was actually 30 years old and found dead in his sleep. He was considered to be a family man and guru. So what's really interesting about that is, is you know, how, how did it happen? You know, and then we kind of look at other people who we have, Nikolai, uh, I cannot pronounce Russian names, Nikolai Mustin. He actually drowned off the coast of Puerto Rico um, he did have some, unfortunately, mental illnesses, and he was believed he believed that the Mossad and the CIA were coming after him. And he was actually posting that on his Instagram and going into information about it. And then, unfortunately, he he randomly drowned off the coast of Puerto Rico within that same day. Next, we have Matt Mellon. Matt Mellon actually died in 2018 within Mexico. He had a heart attack. And it's saying that he was 90 days sober and he tried some hallucinogens and it sent him into cardiac arrest. And, you know, his, his rumor wealth was he had about 250 million within um, a specific cryptocurrency and it's still there. Um, you know, he had a password and code for it and never got um, implemented or taken. And next you have the another cryptocurrency guru. His name was Gerald Cotton. Netflix actually did a documentary on him and he was he's considered to be the crypto king. So 
we look at like kind of the nuances of crypto in understanding that a lot of these people had some type of stake. It's like whenever you analyze what could be the correlation, it's like crypto is a part of it. And you had another Russian um, billionaire. His name is Vladinsky Chan, and he actually was flying his helicopter. He was the only passenger on a helicopter, and the helicopter crashed in France, and he died. So, and these are all in relatively two years. So, like, why is it so sudden? Like, what are the things? So, the news of these two, the news of this has really captivated a lot of people's attention because it's a really strange correlation, obviously, with the internet. You see these things of new conspiracies, new narratives being created focusing on the aspect of social media. I mean, for example, I'm talking about it on a podcast. This podcast in itself is trying to understand why. You know, if we follow it like one month after this, in, in the strange occurrence of Nikolai, who, the one that drowned in Puerto Rico, you know, let's say we are looking for indicators of what could potentially happen just for the sake of a rabbit hole slash conspiracy theory. The fact he's talking about CIA and Mossad chasing him on his Instagram and then he drowns in a freak accident. It just, you know, what, what are the coincidences of me saying, hey, someone's coming after me. I'm going to post it on social media. And then as a result of it, I'm, I, I drowned, you know, and, you know, in kind of the patterns of assassination is always the ones that look like accidents. What we have to understand about assassinations and, and things of this nature is it's all about messaging, right? Like we, we, we do a big kind of assassination, for example, JFK creates messaging. We think about his assassination attempt and what it did for the American psyche. I mean, you, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to see that. I think probably, you know, I don't know. It's like 9-11 in itself was just such a catastrophic event. And, you know, a lot of people want to compare it to 9-11, but I, I honestly think that, you know, 9-11 too can be compared to the assassination of JFK. Now, you have politicians saying that the CIA did it, like Ron Paul kind of indicated it, the releasing of the documents. And we've seen these, these touches, if you will, of maybe certain aspects within the intelligence community that we don't really know. We don't know what, what's going on, obviously, and whenever we break down the information, it's just interesting. Um, I'm not saying there's like a correlation. I'm just saying that in the sake of just analyzing it and seeing what happened with this Nikolai, this, this Russian, it's really interesting that he would be talking about something and being... Um, drowned or assassinated and each one obviously has these different nuances and when we look at tang the hong kong um guru like that one's really strange as well because to die in your sleep at 30 is really really odd and to do it where um you know you're a part of it and you're creating a cryptocurrency site you're working it you're you you've worked with um Morgan Stanley, you've worked with Goldman Sachs. Obviously, this guy is doing really, really well. And then a month later, Nikolai dies as well, the one who was drowned in Puerto Rico. So we look at these different things, and it's like, why would this be happening? Now, once again, disclaimer, this is conspiracy theory talk. Like, I don't want people to think this is anything serious or other than what it is, but 
if we look at a couple things that are going to be rolling out in the next year, we look at the federal dollar and we look at Brex, um, the the economy is of, of international currencies is in a really weird state. Um, we look at how so many different um, economies are switching to actually getting away from cash using card using digital sequences you know and how that's easier to track we look at the fed system that's actually going to be rolling out in june of this year 2013 that is kind of now formulating the um kind of the need of giving a a a, a, the ability to monitor and see these transactions that are happening because for so long if we look at these transaction cycles and we look at the money from PayPal, um, Venmo, the government has no idea what is being paid, you know, and, 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 the, and the ability to monitor it is there. So these systems potentially be created in order to do that. So if someone was looking for the reason why some of these situations could be happening from a conspiracy theory thought process, if people have cryptocurrency and they're able to create their own currency, then what is a government really doing? You know, at the end of the day, when we analyze different aspects of government, we kind of can focus on um, probably three indicators, maybe more. Um, you know, the government's job is to protect the people. The government's job is to create security that comes with protecting the people and create some type of stability. And a lot of the stability that is created throughout governments has a lot to do with currency. Currency in terms of value, currency in terms of lifestyle, money, things of that nature. And if the government doesn't have currency control or a strong currency, it affects every aspect of purchasing power. You know, we look at Brex and how that could potentially be created. We look at the the euro, you know, and even now we look at the pound versus the dollar, you know, kind of understanding how there's so much discrepancies within money. It's kind of interesting. And whenever we look at that kind of thought process, you know, we say, what are the discrepancies if people are able to create things like cryptocurrency that isn't legal tender, you know, it's in the ether, if you will, and that is dictating the value of, of, of something. And it makes you wonder if there was this, you know, uh, government cabal, you know, we see so much talk about um, what's going on with the... Uh, World Economic Forum, Dios, all these things. And, you know, they're kind of indicating that probably within the next five years, they project that the United States will no longer be on top and there'll be other countries who are dictating kind of the norms of the world at that point, being a global leader of many. And if we look at kind of the aspect of BRICS and you start connecting the dots, you know, with Dios, like, when you look at the World Economic Forum in Dios, it's, it's really an interesting group of people. For some reason, all the world leaders go there, um, and they kind of talk, and it's a committee meeting about the outcomes of governance, you know, and they take all their private jets there, and they have these conversations about what they think the world needs to look like in the future, their, their, their kind of um, responsibility to humanity, if you will. Now... It, it's to be said that looking into Davos, my initial knee-jerk reaction is it is a very strange organization. 
And it's really strange that all of these government leaders go there to meet. I mean, you're looking at all of, you know, everybody from Xi Jinping to Joe Biden to Lecron, you know, all of these people, even Justin Trudeau, who is a part of, I guess, the young program tied to the World Economic Forum. It's really interesting. And if there ever was a world currency that was created hypothetically, the amount of control it would give certain groups would be really, really unique. In the sense, I mean that, you know, if you go from state to state, from if you go from, you know, New York to California, you know, that's a lot, a lot of space and a lot of states who recognize the U.S. dollar. And what that does is it allows you to move freely. It kind of creates this environment where, 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 where that currency is identified. If you look at Ecuador using the U.S. dollar, and at one point, El Salvador using the U.S. dollar, which I'm sure they still do, it's easy to go there. The transaction isn't as difficult. Now, if you flip it, that aspect of how the United States currency has been created as the main currency kind of backed by oil, there's a lot of talk about how that could be um, changed if the, if, they, if the Saudi Arabians start taking the renminbi or the yuan as a form of Chinese currency, you know, what could happen with the value? So... With the talking of the devaluing of the dollar in cryptocurrency, I mean, my, my thought process in all this as this long-winded answer is, does cryptocurrency challenge the aspect of a one-world economy? If economy was being or focused on being created, a one-world economy would probably take at least 50 years to truly plan, implement, to work. It's not one thing that one day people are like, hey, you know what? I think we need a world economy. I think we need $1 backed by whatever, you know, and, and let's do it. In fact, it, w- it would have to be this long plan that's been facilitated for the last 50 years. Let's say if it is conspiracy theory. And probably one thing that was in this plan that maybe not have been considered was the impact of what cryptocurrency could do for governance within the system because now it gives more power the people and at the end of the day the internet does give more power to the people um, with the ability to share messages and information now this is really just a, a random thought that i've been trying to articulate within the last couple days because what's really interesting is whenever businesses no longer take cash how strange if you walk into a business and you try to pay with cash and they don't even think that your money is necessarily money. That is a part of the slow transition. So how do we get to a point where cash is no longer accepted? It's like you would never think cash in itself is a form of freedom. But whenever you use your card to purchase things, it does create a situation where the powers that be have more insight into what you are doing. So at the end of the day, just be aware of it. You know, I think it's something we probably need to think about and understand as time goes on. And there's more of this narrative about the devaluing dollar. Thank you so much. And we'll get back to you tomorrow.